Welcome to Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. And this is Rich Silverman. Today we are going to be talking with Swana McNair of Creative Conduit. Swana has a very robust background in film development and in the world of literature, and she has an awful lot to say about transmedia and where publishing is heading. And I think it's particularly relevant at this time when you see the huge success of Hunger Games, where people like to get behind stories that they already have a, uh, a relationship with the material ahead of time. So we're here now with Swana McNair. Uh, she owns a company called Creative Conduit. And Swana, thank you for being with us. That's a pleasure pleasure to, um, to be here. And we usually get started here by just kind of asking you about your background and you know where you came from, what you're doing now, and where you're going. Sure. Uh, that's a lot of information. <laughs> no, I, I think that's actually um, a great question because... My background um, has what is what had led me to start Creative Conduit and and the the variedness. So, the um, the brief background is I always had aspirations to be in the film business, uh, even when I was in junior high and college because I loved books. That was the sort of the secret, and I loved the idea of stories, um, seeing something that was in your imagination and and bringing it to screen. Mostly because I'd seen so many bad adaptations. Um, even as a little girl, so I went. I moved from. I went to college in New Orleans, where my family is. Um, actually, studied in journalism, and moved to to Hollywood right after college, and did what most people do: struggle, work at various odds and ends and jobs. Uh, real world, Seattle, uh, which will age me tremendously. And then I found out there was something called uh, development, where you were paid to read scripts and books um, for movie people, and so that sounded terrific. So. Um, I got a job working for a director, John Avnet, who had done his production company at the time in a deal at Disney, and he had directed um, Fried Green Tomatoes and produced uh, Risky Business and a lot of great movies. And that was sort of my my grad school, my um, film 101, uh, really tight-knit family, lots of reading, lots of, you know, the experience of storytelling, um, my immediate boss. Had been a dramaturg um, into playwriting and working with writers was very important in research. So, spent a couple of years there with John and then went on, as most people do, you know, the crossroads of what's next. Um, and actually went and spent a little bit of time with an internet branded company during the online um, boom, thinking about doing branded content for uh, a VC funded company called Brash.com, Essential Entertainment, which was really terrific. We had sold um, a web series, for example to Diet Coke and different brands. And a lot of my, my experience there um, has infused some of my philosophy today. So then as things did with the internet company, um, that started to crash, so I decided I wanted to get back on the movie side. So I went to work at New Line Cinema for a wonderful, wonderful producer and executive, Mark Rodesky, who at the time was president of Fine Line Features, but also was shepherding um, a little movie called The Lord of the Rings trilogy. So. I came in at a time when um, they had just finished shooting the the trilogy, but uh, were just about to release the first movie. So of course there was a high anxiety and anticipation, and uh, would I even have a job in a week? And we, Mark and I, had a wonderful. He was a great mentor. Um, we actually had our interview in um, where he was in New Zealand over the phone, and I met with some other people there because I had had another job offer just working for the head of a studio uh, at Universal, which would have paid more money and more perks, but I really wanted to be at New Line and with Mark because I just felt this renegade spirit and there would have been so much learning. And so 
So we met um, face to face my first day at work. So that was so two years I worked uh, with Mark and, and with Lord of the Rings and the various movies and development production, uh, the various divisions and also fine line and acquisitions and going to film festivals. Uh, then I was promoted to creative executive, which um, I'm sure most of your community knows what that is. But basically the same of uh, acquiring books and movies and projects and taking them all the way, the scripts all the way to to fruition. And so some of my projects, um, I tended to be on the book side. So Love in the Time of Cholera was one that I was passionate about making. So we um, we partnered with Stone Village at the time. You'd had the rights from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, worked on that, hired director, writer. Um, my, I guess you would say every career has a, a, a turning point. So for me, it was bringing in the um, a proposal. It wasn't a full manuscript yet for the book called He's Just Not That Into You uh, and trying desperately to convince New Line to buy it, which eventually they did. Um, I know the movie didn't turn out that great. So, but anyway, it was a fun. So, so long story short, I worked with Mark's team and, and Toby Emmerich at the time, the other team, but really had a focus on books. And um, The Golden Compass was a trilogy worked on, um, Jonathan Strange, uh, and Mr. Norell, one of my favorite books. And because New Line was not, uh, at the time, owned by Warner Brothers or, or one of the bigger studios, there was, uh, you had to be scrappy. So, and in acquiring material. And so after that, I went to work for a producer, Kevin Misher, who at the time um, had just left a, a deal at Universal where he was the president of production to form Misher Films on the Paramount lot. So he needed an executive who had more of the, the book relationships and taste to, to be production and development. And he was a great guy, again, a great team, a real, I've been lucky to work with very uh, top notch uh, meticulous, I guess you would say, producers who all very much appreciated uh, source material and story and characters. And there were so with Misher, one of my uh, main focuses was to, on on the, the publishing industry and making sure that we found material at the earliest stages and could be competitive and bring them to to Paramount at the time. And so that meant coming to New York a few times a year to meet with various literary agents and. Um, going to the book expos and all of those things, which was which was really great and exciting uh, for me because that's what I was passionate about. And then going on to hire the uh, the writers and development and all through that process. And so through that um, that experience, long story short, I met a a literary agent, an owner of a literary agency, Chrissy Fletcher, who had a boutique agency in New York called Fletcher and Company. And she was getting more and more into producing. Christy and her partner at the time, Emma Perry, had some wonderful material. They were represented by UTA and, and uh, Howie Sanders, UTA was very close with. So we ended up producing um, a movie based on a source material about two CIA spies that we sold to DreamWorks. And so I, by this time, was itching and had aspirations to be even closer to the literary world, possibly be a literary agent. Um, and Christy was itching to build up her producing um, and packaging division of her agency, which wasn't something at the time that was common. So worlds collided and we decided, she said, if um, I moved to New York, I would, she would give me a job being an agent, literary agent and train me and, and help me be part of her agency. And I would help her start her film and TV packaging division. So working with the over 300 clients on original ideas, uh, deals for books and 
uh, movie rights, and at the time we were doing a lot of uh, television shows, movies. Uh, Christy was already in uh, production on a movie called The Right with New Line. So what, that experience was pivotal to me for a couple of reasons, uh, because when I arrived in New York City, you know, with my 80% pay cut and dreams, uh, um, I it was a, it was basically the fall of the publishing industry, or or so to say, where you know ebooks. It was it was obvious that things were shifting and very very quickly. When was this? So how how long were you in Los Angeles? And yeah. then yeah, what what what's the time period here? I I was in LA. I went in '97, and then I came here. So I was there just over 10 years. So. I came out in um, in, t in 2008, I want to say, the fall of 2008, and it was pretty much the time when I literally, like, day off the plane, and I'm picking up New York Magazine, and the cover says, you know, books are dead, or something like that, publishing is over, and um, which is, which is, is startling, of course, um, but I think that it was it was the time as we all know now where publishing went through and is still going through something very similar to the music business where the digital downloads the uh, the user experience all of these things were 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 coming you know and you had to be prepared for it um so so what that that changed the goalposts a little bit for me personally at the agency because uh i think it was the shift beginning of the shift for representation and content management altogether because um, because you know editors and publishing houses were were not taking as many risks so similar to sort of the, how the movie business you know most of the publishers are owned by big conglomerates uh, the books are not taking money so they would lay off a bunch of editors there weren't as many people to edit there weren't as many you know those sort of middle of the road books just like middle of the road movies for a while weren't getting made it either had to be the big obvious blockbuster like the Dan Brown or maybe a smaller no money um, kind of genre or niche acquisition and so for me that uh, that's shifted the focus because you the packaging and all and it also came down to rights so who were owning rights uh, the ebook rights were already being it, it was it's prototype it's common in all of, of publishing deals that they don't retain film and TV rights so that precedent had already been set um, but as far as the digital rights and the e-rights, it was a whole new era. So new boilerplates, everyone needed to know what to do with that, what did it mean. Again, very similar to probably the uh, WGA strike back in, I think it was five, six years ago over the, uh, where you're not sure what the future looks like, but you know you need to change the landscape. So, so w what this was, the agency at the time was a little bit ahead of the game because we were already doing some packaging of original ideas to bring straight to Hollywood. Um, and that was something I could help with to say what ideas could be great books and movies and maybe sometimes even selling them uh, to TV studios as, as proposals that weren't done yet. And something, the light bulb moment for me, uh, for, the, for the company that I started is there was um, Nick Cannon, who is an entertainer, Mariah Carey's big businessman, Mariah's husband. Uh, he was represented by UTA, and his his agent came to us and said that Nick had started, had a multi-platform um, uh, brand, a new brand, and what it would be would fit. It was these three young girls in high school called the School Girls, who he had cast, who had incredible voices, and he uh, put them into costumes, so to speak. So. They, this, the idea was to have a, com a competitor in this space of the Cheetah Girls or High School Musical because Nick was very insightful, saw that there was not something appealing to diverse ethnic backgrounds, smart, 
uh, good music. So he he cast these three girl with three girls. He got them a, a deal at Island Def Jam, a record deal, and Nick would be the producer. He Nick himself and a partner wrote a movie, a feature length script called The Schoolgirls. And at the time, uh, Nick was the chairman emeritus of, of Teen Nickelodeon, and, and that was Teen Nick's effort to really try and bolster programming and awareness. So this, so there was a broadcast commitment already for the movie, uh, The Schoolgirls, that would be a backdoor pilot uh, for a TV show, and there was apparel, and there was a digital world, there was all of these things done, and Nick had decided to complete this 360 multi-platform brand launch, uh, he would like to have a book series. So it came to us just with the idea, trailer of a movie, um, a little bit of music, the record wasn't done. And what we did is we put together a proposal, took the trailer, like what, what the movie could, what the book series could be. Uh, you're following a series of girls and that the, the book would launch before any other product, before the TV show or before the broadcast of Nickelodeon, which is a lot to ask of a publisher. So. Had Nick come to the meeting, showed the trailer of the movie, which happened to have Justin Bieber in it. And I must admit at the time, I didn't know who Justin Bieber was until one of the editors at Simon & Schuster started like screaming. And I'm like, oh, oh, right. Uh, so, but, but, um, but what ended up happening is Simon & Schuster did make a deal for nine books. And they agreed to have the book launch uh, uh, three weeks before the movie. Uh, was going to be broadcast in Nickelodeon. So I won't bore you with the rest of the details, but as you can imagine, what ended up happening is now you're you're producing a brand, and at the center of this, you're dealing with three different industries that the publishing industry, uh, the music industry, the entertainment industry, who don't speak the same language, aren't in the same time frames, aren't, uh, and you're trying to produce a product. So for the book, it became I became the epicenter, which is not a traditional literary agent. Uh, role because it's it's very it's sort of like producing a movie. It's very time intensive where you need to have a book cover, um, but then has to align with the movie poster, and the movie poster hadn't been made yet. Okay, so how do we deal with you know the high res logo, and how do we go to the market, you know, to the music and bundling it with? And so where at first everyone wasn't quite in tuned with it, and then there was this light bulb moment from say with uh, with Island Def Jam saying, oh, they could send out the single bundled with a digital first edition of the ebook, or when the girls went to Borders, they could sing where they were selling the CDs, and they could sing the apparel. And so all of this came together in a really great way because the financials aren't great to start with, certainly, that you, if, but every piece had to really work together. So, and and there was there was a lot of hard work there in the large team, but but I realized that with my role as being really the producer, facilitator, campaign manager um, of doing this is is the only way that you could get something a product like this out, uh, helping the publish you know helping Nick really working for this and delivering all the assets and and so that was a light bulb moment for me of thinking wow this could be a job in of itself where you're you're building um, multi-platform experiences, uh, helping bring the, the people together, the right partners, but then actually staying on to to manage to a degree all the different asset uh, facets and and industries that would need to to participate to to have the most successful launch possible. Um, and, and, and also in the digital space. So that was something as more and more uh, with the ebooks and digital apps and, and ways that you could launch um, product first. I, I remember the first time I was still at the literary agency 
that I had an author who, again, one of the issues with this, with the um, this hard time in publishing is them not taking risks on very good material just because the numbers wouldn't add up. You know, they, they couldn't afford to. And so this is just when Kindle started their program. They had come to us and said, you know, you could upload a book directly. You have a cover and you have an author page and we give you this kind of cut. And there was a particular book that I worked with that actually had come through UTA, a wonderful first novel, but because of the subject matter, everyone passed on it. And this woman, this author, was uh, her background is in marketing. So she was out there and she had a platform talking to everyone, making materials. And I said, look, let's do this. Let's put your book up. You'll have a cover. You'll have your author page. People can actually buy it. And then we'll get the numbers up. And then a publisher can buy it down the line. I remember her calling me in tears at first saying that I must have hated her work. I didn't believe in her because I wanted her to self-publish. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. And and it was still the, that stigma, of course, of like self-publishing and doing it yourself and, and not having that credential and saying, why would you, but this is a way you're wasting resources otherwise, talking about the book, getting these interviews, doing all these things, and why not make some money and build an audience and until um, this time passes or pr you prove to it that a, a publisher that you can make these numbers that you can do this and so so we did it and it, and it ended up really working in a way and she was pleased so she'd have her own book signings have her own this and um and i'm not working with that particular client anymore because she ended up staying at the agency but it's amazing to me about how even in a year and a half things have changed so in a sense you're like a translator Yes, right. You're a exactly. translator for different industries, and it seems like a really uh, interesting model that's starting to spring up. You see with it, Alloy Entertainment, which is mm -hmm. using like story R&D of books and using that to launch like branded content and TV shows. Yes, yes. And that's exactly and, and And actually, when I was leaving the agency, I wanted to, I was looking to form my own ally or alloy or, or another version of it. and I think alloy does great work but they really are um, not so much anymore but they only shop in town and publishers were at a point where they needed material they couldn't depend on the marketplace anymore if they, if they needed a werewolf book series they needed it ASAP and so they were even going to alloy and alloy retaining all these rights and 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 making a lot of money off of it and so so yeah so in that way it's it's translating the different industries but also being able to 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 evolve the content into multi experience stories and brands and reimagine how stories are developed told experienced and shared but really looking at the intellectual property and what the needs are of the specific place. So I could be working with a publisher, uh, Hyperion Books is, is a client now, uh, and they're great, and obviously they're owned by Disney, ABC Television Group, um, and what you, you know, you're translating a, um, a bit, saying, well, this could be in a multi-platform world of bringing a, a brand in, this is, this is the way to think about it, or even my role here isn't to bring in content, um, per se, but, but looking at the own content and what are the ways in which you can expand within the other divisions um, of, of your large organization. So, so yes, translating in, in a way that I think is effective, <laughs> trying to be effective because I think a lot gets lost in that translation. Now, yes. would you look at yourself as a producer too, like for film and TV, would you be also attached to the projects once it came to those platforms? 
with some projects. I, I keep my I keep my slate right now as as small as possible. Um, and each project I work on, individual project, um, has some sort of multi-platform experience. Or, um, and if it doesn't, like I've I've had amazing, incredible novels, you know, sent to me. I'm saying this is so great. You need a traditional book agent, though, linear, um, because it's all non-linear. So yes, for some of the projects, um, some are actually original ideas of mine that I've had. Um, writers execute that are now being considered for book properties. I would stay on as a producer, and that's something like is in my background, my experience. So to me, that's what to bring it to the table. Versus, I know there was some flack from certain literary agents in New York attaching themselves to producers to different projects. To me, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's a relationship between the the agent and the client. And if the client wants it, I see no fault in that. So. But for me, I um, can do that. But not every project, not every project. Um, so it's a mix. You see like Circle Confusion, which has a real big roster of comic book creators that they come on as a producer too. So it's almost like they're farming out these talented individuals and then they have the right you know, elements to put together and the relationships to take it out. Right, exactly. And and I don't, I don't keep um, a roster of different types of clients that I, I bad ideas around to or can say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. I keep a roster of, of experts and content creators that I can call in in, their, in various fields. I can call in any moment to work on that project and expand it in the way that needs to be done. And that can include um, app developers, UI designers, editors, publishers, directors, writers, um, comic book artists, and so I need those experts to 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 help do my job, which is to deliver this experience. Um, and for the few projects that we stay on, they're a model that I do that you're staying on from the beginning and helping coming up with with everything. Um, then I would stay on in all capacity and a participation of that project and in the the complete 360 launch. So. But that's not for every project. It's a very you have to to earn it, and I have a I have a, a very specific sort of way about that. You know, for example, um, I'm working with a very talented uh, screenwriter director named Drew Phyllis, who I met because I worked with his his wife Andrea Burloff, who's a screenwriter um, at uh, of World Trade Center movies when I was at at Mister Films and New Line, and his manager. And this is what's happening more and more managers and traditional agents from Hollywood would say, hey, my client has something that's out of their normal box. So could you know what to do with it or do you know someone? Um, and it usually starts with a book. So this was a book project that drew and an illustrator, a children's book. They completed the entire book. It was the first in what would be a series um, called Josie Robbins Science Fiend. And of course, there are multi-platform components. And this was something that that Drew and his wife had thought of because of teaching young girls science because of their own kids. So again, not a core business for them, but something that had a lot of potential. And I saw that and I said, we could bring this to Disney right away. Of course they would option it. Um, but why not try something different? And why don't you let me and a team, let's, let's develop this as a storybook app first. Um, let's get as much on paper, making a personal investment in it, uh, found a development team that actually, if you've seen an incredible uh, book app project, The Fantastic Flying Books of Morris Lessmore, which the, sh the short film won the animated short Oscar this year. And so working in a way that is a bit of a risk for 
a client because, you know, it's not like getting a book advance. But I said the advantage of this is we'll still go to Disney, we'll still go to these places, but they won't be able to take the multimedia rights um, and you'll be more of a partner and you'll have a more say in, in launching this the way that you want to launch it. And there'll still be the TV, there'll still be all those components. So something like that I'll be involved in, yes, from every uh, games as well. We're including games and, and, and building as much as we can on our own and marketing support. What, what do you look for in, uh, in a story to have transmedia potential? Or does any, can any uh, children's book possibly be transmedia? I, I don't think so. I, I, I think that it, every, it's a project-by-project project basis, and you have personally, I look at the stories and say, can, can this be a toy? Can this be a book? How big is this world? Um, how engaging are the characters? Is there a model already, like a Dora the Explorer or something? Is there a world? Can you see an, a, an engagement across experiences to where you'd want to have all those experiences? Like, for example, for, for the Josie Robin book, there will actually be able to build from scratch um, at the first, uh, the end of the first series, and there'll be pop-up games, and there'll be, um, there'll, there'll be games that you can play inside uh, there'll also be educational components. There'll be, you know, science kits. There'll be toys. There'll be the series. So, I guess that's one of my, I would say, skills or what I'm bringing to the table is just an instinct about what can be on multiple platforms. What translates in a way that that is authentic to to the project, but people really will want it in that in in that form. And that really isn't everything. Um, I think some sometimes if you're looking at an experience. Say a book, and then there's the ebook that's exactly the same, and then maybe then you don't want you're not gonna a consumer isn't gonna buy the same product just in different uh, forms, but that they can fall in love with a pro a product or a character or story and find different you know different experiences of that a story, then they are gonna want to consume that, but but really building it out right. I, I tend to feel that the publishing and transmedia go together, and that that transmedia books and projects are going to be a big growth opportunity for the publishing business. What, what's your take on that? And also, where, where does that leave a traditional book and, and the writer who just wants to still sit alone in their dark room with their typewriter and, and, and write a book and have it published and that's it. It's a, it's a book, it's a novel, and it's not transmedia. Is there room yeah. for that? Well, to answer, answer your second question first of what about the, the, the novelist, the author that wants to just write a book, I absolutely think we need those. the The business, the world, um, needs those books. Those are those books are important to to literature, to our culture. Um, not every novel has to be have multiple extensions and platforms. I do believe that um, every author, even if you're publishing linear books, needs to think of themselves as a brand. And I know there's authors rolling their eyes hearing that. And and but even if you're paying someone to tweet for you or paying someone to run a social media campaign, you really do need to have a way for your fans to uh, connect with you um, because because it's available and they're doing that and, and publishers are getting much better at providing those those services. But on on the flip side and alternately when when you do have those projects that uh, warrant a transmedia development from the start, publishers are treating it it's very tricky because um, you know the right situations and it's entirely new types of contracts. So where publishers, some publishers are trying to do IP in-house now, 
Um, and some are quiet about it, some aren't. Um, and like HarperCollins Children's, I know, how would hire someone to actually come up with ideas in-house, come up with proposals, execute them, and they wouldn't necessarily be taking it as far as um, as their, their film offset. So, and, and at the same time, now, um, this is brand new knowledge, but of course, Hyperion Books is with Disney ABC Television Group. They're very much taking advantage and being forward thinking of the, the ways they can be a transmedia book producer and align closer to to the, the studio, to ABC Network, to ABC Entertainment, ABC News. And I think it's really an exciting place to publish a book because or in the content because you do have the the synergy that is that is happening. But but otherwise its publishers are you know, they're not, not everyone should be experts in what they're not experts for. I'm a big um, proponent of that. And so if a, if it's, that's why they're partnering more than you would know with, and whether it's partnering with a app developer or partnering with the content creators or trying to have these in-house um, ideas, but then you still need that partner to, 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 to execute it in a way that, that lends itself to that other medium. So I think there's a lot more um, willingness to, to partner with those outside partners. I think some of the bigger publishing houses are still resistant to even ebooks and the digital change because you know hardcover is king and and those deals and I, I think those publishers will be left behind a bit um, and and that's the nature you know so the nature of the business I personally I think that um, you know there's new studies that have come out that more books are selling in general both print and ebook with the the proliferation of, of e-readers and more people owning the devices. So I think there's a lot yet to come about that. Um, but certainly in a kid's space where you can offer on a tablet an educational, entertaining story, but also have the, the print version to take with you that's a little bit different experience, you know, what that writes with, how you work that out. Not all publishers are adept at figuring that out, but, but they're starting to. They're starting to. Well, it seems like everyone's kind of starting to evolve and realize that there is a uh, an, an ecosystem that a book isn't just a book. It's a there's like a business. Each book it could be its own sustainable business. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, and and not necessarily if you're out there and you want to write, you know, your linear, your novel, and just leave it at that. That that I think is very important too. But you absolutely have to think about each book, each idea as an ecosystem and. And a business, and the earlier you can get in, you meaning content creator, um, on that philosophy and thinking about it that way. And I know it's not always easy because cash in the hand is cash in the hand, but um, the advances are, are lower, I think, in general, and the rights that you'll have to give away. But if you're really, if you, if really thinking about it as a brand, and what are the potential offshoots, and could this be the television series? The earlier at in you know at inception of the idea. Um, and then, and then taking which part of it you want to to launch with, and so in, in developing your characters, it all comes down to good story. None of this works without great story, great characters. And so, there have been clients I've worked with who, you know, big A-list television producers, and they're so enamored with the technology aspect and and and, and creating interactive stories, and want to know the bells and whistles, and saying, no, this is the traditional. Let's the, the stories and the characters must be. Um, evolved first, but, but but creating these ecosystems is is, is what's happening for well, for, for transmedia. Well, well, you see, well, you see, like the ecosystem as like all the different revenue streams we could pull out of, and then you also see on the flip side, you've there's that hill mary of 
like you see a lot in uh, like with comics and and books where they're like, well, we're not we're not going to be able to sell a, a ton of units, um, but we know if we set it up, there's a lottery ticket chance that'll be film or TV show. Do you feel that with these uh, transmedia elements, you have a better chance of hitting the target? Let's say, for instance, you don't just release a book. You release a really uh, short uh, web series, a few like really good like high production videos. So you go, I'm gonna bundle together the most easy to understand package possible, where you could quickly reach a lot of people. And then if you want to get more of the content, you have the denser uh, story material, which is a book. So you so you're basically reverse engineering this entire transmedia pitch to get a better chance. So it'll go from development to getting made. Uh, yes, I actually think that 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 is exactly. Um and again, not for all projects. For the for certain projects that warrant that, that that that's what I'm I, I'm preaching is is reverse engineering away, still getting that book deal, still getting that TV deal. But this is a low stakes, cost effective way. Um, low stakes. I mean, it's going to cost something, but a way of, of building your audience, building your brand, your product is, is in a world where everyone, you know, we're making Lego movies and Rubik's Cube movies. You know, you're building the audience where Lady Gaga video on YouTube has just as many hits as you know this guy singing a song to his baby. You know, or you know, there's there's actually a world where you can bundle, stream video. Um, you you need to have the right partners. You've got to think about marketing. You've got to think about um, you know who is the quality of your content. So discoverability is a huge huge issue uh, with putting say book apps out first um, in the app marketplace. So you know aligning yourself with people who might have relationships with Apple or those things. And you know with the the more um, with this the book that we're doing with the director and screenwriter, the app first, the children's book. Uh, Josie Robin Science Fiend, I wouldn't even dare take the creator down this path if I didn't know I had a team who could come in and really give the marketing strategy f for that app, you know, and, and, and bringing that to the table. But, but I think as much as you can evolve the world on, on your own and partnering with web video, ebooks, e comment, comics worlds, um, and then doing reverse engineering, the transmedia did better. And I actually have production companies who have huge studio deals coming to me with smaller pieces of content that they know needs to be evolved on a more um, organic way to build to the bigger uh, results of, of the movie, which I think is a really smart way to do things. Um, and again, it's about finding, I think, the right partners and starting the right content to, to make sure it gets out there. But it's very possible, which is what I think makes this, this world that we're in very exciting. What are some of the business models that you're looking at? Sure, you, you can make an app or an ebook and sell that, but what about all the other sort of tangential and transmedia elements? Are there ways to monetize those who do just monetize the core experience? Yeah, that's a really great question um, because it's, it's imperative right now, as the numbers are, if you're just putting out, and I'll use again the example of like the Josie Robin science theme, we're just putting out the book app, um, the the amount of units you have to sell, <laughs> uh, the quality we're doing it, it, it's not a core business for this particular project. So we've got to be thinking about, in terms, or and already are strategizing the licensing partners, um, the consumer product partners on a project by project basis. The television, what are those? And again, if it's grants in that way. So I think you have to be thinking about it 
for the different units as much as possible. And of course, I know it's selling, it's like doing a, uh, you know, I mean, how Peter Jackson finally sold Lord of the Rings to New Line is he funded his own, basically shot part of the movie and wiped himself out and took that around and and that's how it happened. So if, you've, if you're putting out your book app, you're putting out your game, be planning for and doing the projections and financially for the other revenue streams and even planning within the product uh, from day one what those revenue streams are. So some stuff, you know, can't get too into it um, yet, but so some of even our, our book apps, you know, we're planning it, building, embedding um, revenue streams right there that can help offset some of those costs so that would be in a different area. In the same way, I would say with a traditional book or with a with a web series, you know, your community, your subscription, how that can be building it. But you need to be thinking about that um, fr from the beginning. I saw one one model uh, is what's Patrick Carmen and what what was the series? It was Dark Eden. Have you, yeah. have you followed that at all? And I think I, what he did was it, it was a, it was a hybrid of like short stories, but each short story I think was bookended with the video, and that they were sold like individually, like maybe for two or three bucks each. I I haven't. That's a good. I've been following that a little bit. I could. I don't know how successful it ended up being, but I think that's a great model. I'm very much. Um, I like the idea of bundling. I think short, like Amazon Kindle Singles, is a great new platform. Um, something that we've been discussing, you know, even with Bunny or Die, with the digital magazine, uh, some of the long form content that we can then repurpose that we know because people like it. We know what people like that we can repurpose into longer form content um, and sell them as as ninety nine cent and subscription series. I think that we are we aren't we we think that everyone wants. Um, content for free and I think there's a mindset where that we can change that in a way of subscribing like for example Instapaper you have free on your your desktop but you'll pay ten dollars a year for a subscription on your iPad so I think the bundling and also serialization is something I'm really looking to um, for some of the, the the longer form content and how can we serialize and bringing that back and whether you're bundling it together or it's 99 cents you're offering it an app or you're offering it as an ebook uh, along with a video or with music um, and, and then linking it to now you have a mixtape and now you have these songs and and really and also bringing brands in so i think there's some really exciting new models that publishers aren't always able to play with as much um, because because it's such a with the Amazon apples, but they are they are trying to and to some success, um, and and but now that the people are doing it on their own, I think it's really smart. Could you imagine like a subscription model where if you have like a series of uh, kids books or anything for young adult, where you where you go straight to where you build like a bit of, a bit of a community uh, platform, but also the subscription model where people could kind of. You know, once they bill them, they're billed for the the whole year. So you don't you don't have to spend all that time to get them once, and then you have to do it again. You've already got their credit card, and they're on they're on they're on on like they're on board to uh, experience it for a while. Yeah, actually, that's I'm working on a um, a couple different models that are exactly that way, to where uh, it's a combination of community and platform for releasing narrative, and you because community really wants to interact with each other and I think that besides that I think 
you know, if you're not collecting data, if you're not collecting, if harnessing this community in the right way, which is, I think, an area that publishers are aware of now, but not, um, they're still figuring out how to really do this, where you can, again, not being over aggressive, but if you need to market your new product or you need to do this, not harnessing the community and taking advantage of that and providing an area. And I think people will subscribe to be in these spaces, especially if you're allowing them chances to, um, you know, post fan fiction or post fan uh, areas and, and to, to, to commune with each other. I think Tumblr is doing an amazing job of taking away where blogs where you can uh, interact with others and build communities. And, you know, one thing, well, I guess I'm like probably not supposed to be talking about this, but there's just so many new ways of, of sort of building community of like a very major, major author, um, even here at Hyperion Books, whose book isn't coming out for a long time, you know, we're testing around the theory and building a Tumblr site. There's nothing to do with Hyperion, nothing to do with the author. You know, you're just seeding content and, and ideas that would maybe later, um, you know, feed them into, uh, uh, open the door to what the to what the, the real background is or give you ideas and sort of marketing. So I do believe that that model is coming and, and working on those to where you're providing narrative um, and subscribing uh, as well if it's a year and then and giving a place to, to uh, giving people a place to, to meet, to, to view their ideas um, in a curated space in that way. And absolutely, I think that's a big part of it. What's the the temperature like out there? It's 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 my experience from uh, doing Berserk, which was a transmedia uh, yeah. project in publishing, is that the publishing industry is more and more open to this type of thing. But also, what's the temperature in Hollywood uh, related to transmedia? I, I've just heard a few people think that the Hollywood isn't as keen on the ARG as they once were, but I, I have a mm -hmm. feeling that they're still very much interested in transmedia. And you kind of straddle both worlds. So, what what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that um, I actually say it's like dirty little secret that to capitalize on lately, but I, I'm not the creators and I of all levels, I find are, are not only um, curious to try this transmedia type of model, but eager and anxious. And it's a really great thing because I think that everyone, even your highest level writer director has an idea that with the constraints of Hollywood over the last few years or publishing, I think that's why a lot of these creators came to publishing over the last few years saying, I want to make source material that I can then sell back to, um, you know, to the, to the studios. And so where, where these, these systems are breaking down and I feel like new systems haven't quite caught on yet there there's a lot of um there's an eagerness to try these new plat like not necessarily needing a huge amount of money to be a partner to go with these new types of platforms to experiment and and that is is exciting and i think some of the reps and managers are, are catching on some of these deals are able to be made because they're all new types of deals um and bringing in, in brands so i think that the publishers are probably just sort of catching on to the buzzword of transmedia and not quite sure, again, Hyperion is a bit ahead of the game, but figuring out how to do it. And I think in Hollywood, there is some sort of window that I'm sure um, will close or evolve, as all things do, where there's an eagerness um, and, and an acceptance to try new things, to take these risks without the financials laid out on the table. Because why not? You know, you might have a project that isn't for a particular reason, doesn't fit into a particular hole, even if you're a best-selling author or you're an award-winning filmmaker 
And if you have a chance to launch it in a different way um, and build that property and build the community and build awareness and it takes off and you're you could make a lot of money if it, do, it fails you know it's 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 a small fail the stakes are, are lower that way um and i think until like i think tom hanks is doing something really interesting with like electric city um and the idea that that and again i i didn't work on that project but just that you know this was an idea that he's had for a long time for a, a property and uh, wasn't even though it's Tom Hanks, it wasn't right for the particular studios, and so went to Reliance Media for funding and and how they are releasing that on um, on it will be online first, but of course you know other components planned and they had a big party for it at South by Southwest, and so I, I think that the Hollywood again the creators and some smart managers are really. Um, accepting it, um, but but to what degree? Again, it'll all depend on like wh what's the money making or what the rights or how that ends up. Now, um, have you noticed um, as people uh, pitch TV and film, even though they haven't created the transmedia content, it's part of the presentation because I know sometimes you, you go, this is the overall tone, this is the feeling of the screenplay, but then there's an overall here is all the additional. Um, you know, business that we could do because it works on multiple platforms and explain how it does that? I feel like it's it's more of a, um, a select few people will, a per, people will go in Hollywood will come and say, I think there might be another component, I'm not sure. And then I come in to help them say, here's what those other components could be. Here's what the strategy is. Let's put this together in a deeper proposal you you know you've got your Amit Zappas of the world who completely completely get in or like so ahead of the game and he's already sold the you know the the Japanese toy before <laughs> before the proposals even written and who can really conceive that and you still need the true strategy and then you've gotten a lot of people that I've, I've worked with like for example working with um when I w was working with Shonda Rhimes production company it's because an executive there very smart executive um Rachel Egabine had said we, we have a property that we think we might want to launch a little bit different way and thinking of traditional publishing and then and then sort of opening the eyes for them and saying actually this this warrants transmedia development or product you know and this is how you could do it and so thinking about that differently and putting those proposals together um i ha so i've had few that come with it all laid out but i think that's what i you know i love doing is helping them lay that out and 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 putting that different everything but that is a new way now i think of giving proposals to publishers is with these these decks these bibles already taken care of and where i'd say if you can if you have the means going one step further and making um you know the wireframe for the digital version or making a, the short video uh a teaser you know the more you can Put together on your own in this package the less they're going to try and fight you for their rights um and then the big piece of the pie and then of course then the pie is a little bit different moving forward where do you see yourself like short-term and long-term goals with this kind of uh, business well that's a good question so short-term goals is, is um bringing on new new people i'm in the process of of, of bringing on um you know two partners who are terrific to um, you know, specialize in marketing and uh, digital um, brand strategy and, and project management and development because then we can be full service. So expanding the company in that way um, and and doing more and more with the uh, the content creation and eventually having some uh, a digital publishing entity 
of our own, a, a portal that the properties can expand onto the film and TV, but really being able to release release them directly through through an entity, but still always being able to partner with the right traditional publisher, uh, the right uh, movie studio, because I'm a firm believer that you need all the elements together to bring in the awareness that you have. But being able to make those properties uh, directly and, and produce them is, is something something I'm working on as well. That's all the questions that I have, Swan. If you have any other thing that you'd like to add or throw out there, say how people can get in touch with you, that would be great. Yeah, no, no, I, this is great. And I think this is, you know, one thing um, I think is really important is this community in transmedia, cross-platform, whatever the terminology is, is, is sticking together because we are in a time where there aren't a lot of precedents. And so building, I'm, I'm working on the business side to build precedents with um, publishers, corporations to to set models for revenue streams and for monetization, which I know is is an issue. So I'm always looking to talk to people in the community or, or who have ideas or want advice. So anytime um, I'm available, my website is creative-conduit.com or email uh, swana at creative-conduit.com. But I, I think it's really about sticking together and and, um, and and having ideas and, and helping take to the next place. So I think what you're doing is great. I'm really, uh, I'm honored to be on, on your podcast. Well, well, thanks so much. You have an excellent day. Thanks for listening to Hollywood 2.0. And we hope you join us again. We got a lot of interesting guests scheduled, so we're gonna have a lot of great episodes coming out for you very soon. And as always, you can find me, Rich Silverman, at richsilverman.com or on Facebook, Twitter, my first and last name. It's Peter Katz, K-T-Z, KatzFilms at gmail.com is my email, and you can check me out at PeterKatz.net. Take care, everyone. Bye.